Welcome to Rome Christian Center. We are so glad that you are with us here today. If you are local to the Rome, New York area, we would like to invite you to join us 10 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on Sundays. We are located at 7985 Turin Road in Rome, New York. Let's join the service as we believe God has something in store for you today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We open our hearts, Lord, to your word to be blessed, to be strengthened, to be encouraged. Let your word bring us life and zeal for you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 11. John the Baptist is baptizing in the river Jordan. And uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees are coming to question him as to who he is and what's the authority he has for doing it. And he says this, in ver- I'm going to pick it up in verse 11. As for me, he said, I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, and I'm not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand. And he will thoroughly clear his threshing floor. And he will gather the wheat into his barn. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. At the end of verse 11 it says, He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And I was thinking when I was preparing, it's like there's a lot that's mentioned in the Bible about the Holy Spirit. It's the one he's being, he it talks about him being our guide, our teacher, our comforter. The one who helps us to pray. And it talks about the power of the Spirit, signs and wonders and miracles. It talks about speaking in tongues. It talks about the fruit of the Spirit. But we don't very often talk about the fire. So that's what I want to talk to you today, about the fire of God. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So what about what's the fire supposed to do in our life? Well, I think one of the most important things is found in Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 4. Or it says, take away the dross from the silver, and there comes out a vessel for the smith. Dross is the impurities that are in a metal. And they, what they do is they melt it, and the impurities come to the top, and they just kind of skim them off. And then they let it get solid again, and then they melt it again. And it's a process. It goes uh, several times in order for you to get all the, the impurities out, they call the dross, impurities out, and, and be perfect. It's interesting, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, the, the, apostle, the apostle Paul writes, Therefore, if a man purge himself from these things, just before that, he was talking about ungodly things in people's lives. Therefore, if a man purge himself from these things, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. So we need to purge ourselves from from some things, because when we come into the body of Christ, we come with dross. Somebody say amen. It's true. I know I did. I won't, oh, I don't know you. Maybe you didn't come in with dross, but I know I did. And uh, talking about the word of God in Psalm 12, it says, The word of the Lord, the words of the Lord are pure words, <clears throat> as silver tried in a furnace on earth, refined seven times. Seven is God's number of perfection. So what it's saying is the word of God is perfect because it's been, it's been tried in a furnace of, on earth seven times. 
to get the to get the the dross out of our lives and to let God deal with us in certain issues. We need to. It's a process. We need to submit to it over and over again. A purifying needs to take place in all of us. And wrongful thoughts, wrong attitudes, wrong ways of thinking, just you know, generally worldliness has to has to be cleansed from us so that we can be the people he's called us to be. That's why it says in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 that we're not to be conformed to this world but transformed by the renewing of our minds. A complete transformation so that we're not thinking like God, we're not thinking like the world thinks, but we're thinking the way God would have us think according to his word. one, One good thing about the fire of God is... You know the story in Daniel chapter 3 about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They wouldn't bow down to the golden statue. And King Nebuchadnezzar had them bound and thrown into the fire. And so as they came, they, they came out of when there's a fourth man walking with them in the fire. And the king called them out. He said, come out, you servants of God. And they came out loosed, not even, not even smelling of smoke. And the only thing that the fire had affected was to loose them from their bonds to free them from the things that were binding them. And that's one thing the fire of God will do. It will purge us from our impurities, loose us from our bonds. And it's not meant to consume us or destroy us. It's supposed to free us from our bonds, those things that have held us in bondage for so long, things that kept us from being who God called us to be. The fire of God will set you free from it in Jesus' name. And part of our purifying, sanctification, sanctifying making us ready to be people of God. It's found in James chapter 1, where he says, Count it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the trying of your faith produces patience or endurance. And let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Part of our purifying comes through the trials that we face in life. It tests our faith, it tests what we believe and it helps us to become, to become strong, to endure when hardship comes. But we find out when, when, when testings and trials come, we find out what we really believe. Do you really believe that God is your provider? Do you really believe that God is your healer? Do you really believe that God is a good God? That all things work together <coughs> for the good of those who are called according to his purposes? Do you really believe that nothing is impossible with God? Do you really believe that you're forgiven, totally forgiven, that God loves you and is going to take you to heaven? All this is built into us as we walk with God. So the fire of God will test our endurance. It will test our patience when we feel like we can't go on anymore. I remember in 2 Corinthians, the apostle Paul is being buffeted by an evil spirit. And three times he said he prayed to God to remove it from him. And God said, no, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is perfected in weakness. So sometimes we have to be weak to allow God to be strong in us. And the Apostle Paul puts it this way, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So it's in the furnace of affliction that we become refined. So the fire is sent to refine us, to purify us, to purge us of our impurities. Also, natural fire brings heat and brings light. This is not what the fire of God provides heat and light and it's supposed to keep us on fire, keep us zealous for God, for the ways of God 
and the purposes of God. In John chapter 2 is an account where Jesus went into the temple. There's one, there's one, later, in, <clears throat> there's one later in his life, but in his, this is right at the beginning of his ministry. He goes into the temple, and the Bible says he overturns the tables of the money changers, drives out those who are selling, selling merchandise in the temple, and it says, and his, and, the, and his disciples remembered where it says in, in Psalm 69, zeal for your house will consume me. So he had a zeal for the house of God. That fire, that fire, that the fire of God that's in us is supposed to keep us zealous for God and not, not become complacent, not become weak in our, in our faith. There was a fire burning. There was a fire. In the Old Testament, there was the tabernacle in the wilderness and there was a temple in Jerusalem. And, and in both, as you first entered the temple, there was an altar of sacrifice. And there was a fire on that altar that was supposed to never go out. And in the holy place, there were, there were lamps. And the, that, the fire on the lamps is never supposed to go out. When the priest went in in the morning and trimmed the lamps, he went in in the evening and trimmed the lamps. Those lamps are supposed to burn continuously. And that's the way God wants the fire in us to be, to never go out, to be on, to be on fire and to stay on fire. A fire, a, a natural fire that's unintended will tend to, to tend to burn itself out. In Proverbs chapter 26 and verse 20, it says, for lack of wood, the fire goes out. Unless we keep adding logs to the fire, it'll go out. So we need to, we, that's something we need to do. The priests need to put the logs in the fire. The priests need to trim the lamps to, do, to keep them burning. And God wants us to do what's necessary to keep the fire burning on the inside of us. It, you know, I understand it's not, it's not easy to stay on fire for God for years and years and years. Over the, over the, I've been saved for 46 or 47 years. And every once in a while, I'll, I'll suddenly, it's, it'll just hit me. It's like, you know what? I've kind of, I've kind of, it's not that I've backslid, not that I'm into any sin, but my fervency has just kind of dropped a couple of notches. And the Holy Spirit reminds me of that. And I have to plug myself back, keep, kind of stir myself up and get back on, on fire the way God wants it to be. So in a natural fire, we need to add logs. We need to stir up the embers. We need to stay on fire for God. What does that mean? It means praying when you don't feel like praying. It means reading when you don't feel like reading. It means going to church when you don't feel like going to church. I said this morning, <clears throat> I said this morning, it's true, there's times I really don't feel like going to church. And I remember when Pastor Dennis was here, we, we, we pray every Friday night. And at prayer, so many times we'd come in, I'd say to Dennis, how are you doing? He said, oh, I feel so tired. I really didn't want to come tonight, but I knew I should. And I've said, and as many times I said, yeah, I feel the same way. Then we get to praying in, in tongues for about a half an hour, and your spirit gets re-energized, and, and you feel wide awake. You feel, you feel good after. And that's what God wants. God wants us just to take, you might say, take the bull by the horns, say, no. You're not going to be complacent in your walk with God. You're going to, you're going to get on fire, you're going to stay on fire. But you're going to, but, and I'm going to do what's necessary in order for that to happen. Our relationship with God is like a marriage. It's in Ephesians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul wrote about Christ in the church and husband and wife. And like, just like in a marriage, if we don't stir it up, if we don't keep the fire burning, it becomes very... Uh, kind of dead. But God doesn't want us to have a dead marriage. He wants us to have a live one in Jesus' name. 
in Revelation chapter 3, writing to the Laodicean church, the apostle, the spirit through Paul, and in, in verse 15 and 16 it says, I know your deeds, that you're neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were hot or cold. So because you're lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I'll spit you out of my mouth. Just the most dangerous place we can be in, in, in the body of Christ is lukewarm. God says, I want you to get hot or get cold, but don't give me this lukewarm stuff. So it's like someone who wakes up one morning and kind of looks at himself and, and says, you know what, I'm, a, I, I'm out of shape, I'm overweight, I need to do something about it. So they, they do whatever, they start exercising, eating right, and they, they just begin to change their lifestyle. That's what God wants us to be on fire for him and doing the things he wants us to do, praying, staying hot on for God, and blessing others. The fire, of, the fire of God is the conviction of the Holy Spirit that shows us, he, does, he doesn't condemn us, he just shows us area in our life. We need to come up a little bit higher, but we need to change. We're supposed to be the salt of the earth and light of the world. We're supposed to let our light shine in the darkness. The fire of God will keep our light shining brightly in the darkness and, and, and let us be a witness to the world. A couple others, just real quick. In service, in Jeremiah chapter 20, I felt to read this scripture. In Jeremiah chapter 20, in verse 1 and 2, it says, When Pasher the priest, the son of Immer, who was the chief officer in the house of the Lord, heard Jeremiah prophesying these things, prophesying these things, what things? Well, all the false prophets were saying, no, there's going to be peace. Nebuchadnezzar's not going to, not going to come. He's not going to take Jerusalem. And, the, and Jeremiah was prophesying by the word of the Lord. And he's saying the opposite. He's, no, <clears throat> you're going to go into exile. They're going to win the battle. <coughs> and the false prophets didn't like it. So Pasher had Jeremiah the prophet beaten and put him in the stocks that were in the upper Benjamin gate which was by the house of the Lord. So they said, no, we're going we're gonna to shut you up. We don't want to hear your prophecy. And, and Jeremiah starts complaining to the Lord. And this is what he says. Oh, Lord, you have deceived me, and I was deceived. You have overcome me <clears throat> and prevailed. I have become a laughingstock all day long. Everyone mocks me. Each time I speak, I cry aloud. I proclaim violence and destruction. That's the that's prophetic word saying that Nebuchadnezzar was going to come and capture the city. I proclaim violence and destruction because for me, the word of the Lord has resulted in reproach and derision all day long. But if I say, I will not remember him or speak any more in his name, then it becomes like a fire shut up in my bones. And I am weary of holding it in and I cannot endure it. So Jeremiah says, you know, if I just... If I, if I say to God, that's it, God, I'm not prophesying anymore. He said, that word that God has put in me, if I don't give it, it's like a fire shut up in my bones. It's just, it's pressuring me. And what God said, whatever God has called you to do, if we resist him, there's a pressure that comes. And we know we're disobeying God. And we know that he's not pleased with us. So we have to be like, we have to be like Jeremiah and release what God has given us. But he said, if I don't release, it's like a fire shut up in my bones. It's pressure, so to speak, to do the will of God. And God will keep that going on the inside of you for a while. 
at least for a while. But if we continue to resist, he'll lift his hand from us and move on to somebody else. I was thinking of Reinhard Bunke. Reinhard Bunke said that when years and years ago, when God first called him to the ministry, God said to him, I'm giving you Africa. And Reinhardt said, why are you giving it to me? Because he didn't think that highly of himself. And you know what God said to him? He said, I've tried to give it to two others, and they've declined. In other words, God came by his spirit and witnessed to somebody that he wanted to give him Africa. He said, no, I don't want to do that. It's so important to do what God wants to do, not what you want to do. And Reinhardt had a tremendous ministry, and he's home with the Lord now. But he, had, he saved millions of people. Because he yielded to the Spirit of God. So that's what the fire does. The fire keeps us doing what God wants us to do and not what we want to do. And finally, in worship and prayer, in Exodus chapter 30, speaks about the, the altar of incense in the, in the tabernacle and in the temple. And the fragrance of the incense is released through burning. Am I, did, you ever, did you ever go to a Catholic funeral? You know, they, they take it at the end of the Mass, they come out with a, with a censer and they pour, they put incense in it and the smoke rises up. And that's what they had in the, in the temple, in the tabernacle. It's a type of worship and prayer to God. But it, but it comes because the incense is put on hot coals, on burning coals. So in the burning, in the fragrance is released through burning. True worship comes from a heart on fire for God. You can have... You can't have true worship without fire, without a heart that's passionate for God, that's seeking after God, that wants more of God, that's surrendering to God, and crying out to him saying, God, I'm yours. I worship you. Have your way in my life, in Jesus' name. And also in prayer. The Bible says in James chapter 5, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Fervent, heartfelt prayer out of a heart that's on fire for God. So, that, so I just want to encourage us today to kind of look introspectively just a little bit. Say, God, am I, am I where you want me to be? Do I need to come up a little bit higher? I want your fire burning in me, God, just like at the first, when I first found you, when I first fell in love with you, how, how excited I was to be saved, to be born again. God, I want that in my life again. I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek you with all my heart and let the fire burn in me and burn out of me everything that needs to be burned out and burn in me everything that God wants. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you so much for being with us today. Our prayer is that your life be enriched through the power of God's word and that you be filled with his love and strength as you daily serve him. To learn more about our service times and our ministry and how it is that you can partner with us, Visit us online today at romechristiancenter.com.